welcome to the first episode of the Fangirls Library. In this first episode, we talk to Sari Ferry, Australian sex-positive fanfic author. But first, Annie and I are going to discuss what we've been up to in the reading nook. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the very first episode of the Fangirls Library. I'm Annie. And I'm Kristen. You may know Annie and I from the Audio Fanfic Podcast, where we bring you exciting fanfic from the 90s and now. But we are expanding into some new places to bring you something new, exciting, and nerdy. Always nerdy. At Fangirls Library, you'll get interviews with writers and artists, some established and definitely up and coming, all committed to crafting stories that make your heart race. We're hoping to find out a little bit more about what makes them tick, what inspires them, maybe even inspire you to follow your dreams. At the Fangirls Library, we're hoping to merge fandom, feminism, and fiction to bring you something new and exciting to listen to and to hopefully inspire you and help your creative process. So for this first episode, Annie, why don't you start with what you've been reading? Yes, I read a lot of fic. Uh, I'm going to set that aside for right now, but I have been reading... I I got a very generous gift from our friend Slip and Mickey's who sent me his dark materials. It was written by Philip Pullman and it's also an HBO series, which I have not seen, but I was definitely instructed to read the books first. Um, It's weird. I'm reading it on my Kindle. So it says I'm 20% of the way through the book. I don't know how many pages that is, Um, but it's, it's really interesting. It follows this little girl um, through her through through a bit of a fantasy world. And I I don't want to give too much away. I'm sure many people have already um, read that because it's not new, obviously. Um, I've also read a newer book. I'm 50% of the way through this one, uh, Between the Lines by Rachel Lacey, which is the cutest, cutest story. Um, Not unlike, um, or I should say very inspired by You've Got Mail. Oh, cute. Yeah. Have you read that one? I have not. I have it in my Kindle, but I have not read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really cute. And I've also been listening to Every Waking Hour by Joanna Schaffhausen, and that is the final story in her Ellery Hathaway series. And I mean, her Joanna's plotting is always amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, I, I don't even know what to say. I'm, I'm always speechless at how much, not only how much detail she puts into her stories, into each character, into the settings, but how the different stories always, always fit together perfectly. And as someone who's just barely tried to write, I'm amazed at how she's able to pull it off. Like, how do you do that? Um, and she does, and it's exciting and it's fun. And, I, it definitely like makes me want to put in my earbuds and like go for a walk or clean the house or do whatever just so I can continue to listen. Did you see the original The Golden Compass with Nicole Kidman? No. Okay. Why? Uh, no, I was just curious. I haven't read the books. I watched, I've seen The Golden Compass, which I enjoyed, and I watched season one of his dark materials. Oh, you did? Oh, I haven't okay. Seen so you're somewhat two. familiar with the mm-hmm. story. Oh, okay. No, I'm going into this fresh. I have no idea what's going on. Nice. 
Yeah. I, I kind of really like that. It's the same reason that I will avoid trailers for movies. Someone will tell me like, oh, this movie is really good. I'm like, I don't want to know more about it. Just let me go in fresh. What about you? So for reading, um, I, I, of course, like you, like everyone, I read a lot of fic, but besides fic, I finished book one of the Jack and Emily series, which is by Laura Strand, who some people might know as Tattoo Laura. It's called Crumbling Walls. I loved it. I started, I haven't finished yet, um, book two in that series called Damaged Goods. I'm sorry, is I did download that and I'm yeah. waiting to read it after I finish my other so two good. books. It, is it like a rom-com? Is it a um, mystery? It's, What's, what it's a mystery. There is a... Um, it deals a lot with trauma from various aspects. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, okay. um, including like abuse, sexual trauma. Um, there's a bit of a love story to it. Okay. It's, I would classify it more probably as um, YA, young adult fic. Um, but I love how Laura writes. I just love her writing style. It's the same. Um, her fic is a good indication of her writing style. And I like the way she writes and the way it flows. And I'm really the family she's created in the books I'm in love with. I want to be a part of their family. <laughs> um, it's just, it's it's Aww. really good. It's really, I read it very fast and I would, um, much like how I probably read her life series twice a year, I'd probably read these twice a year. Oh, wow. Um, okay. I am listening to the first book on The Vanishing Season by Joanna Schaffhausen. Oh, um, so that's the first one of yes. the Ellery Hathaway series, yes. which is so good. So good. I'm about halfway through it. Um, okay. I listen while I at work to it. And can I just say, how awesome is the narrator? Oh, so good. I find her so she's inspiring. So no, she, I, she's I so definitely good. take note of how she says things and like the pauses um, that she takes, the breaths. Yeah. And then I have four books I've been reading um, for work, because our shows we're going to be doing, um, Raisin in the Sun. Oh, nice. Sweat, The Tempest, and Destiny of Desire. So if you write reading plays, they are all excellent. Um, Tempest of Shakespeare, a little hard to get through sometimes. If you're having trouble reading Shakespeare and you want to read more, I do recommend the No Fear Shakespeare books, because it breaks hmm. down, like one page is the Shakespearean dialogue, and the other page is more modern English breakdown of it. They're really helpful if you're trying to dissect your Shakespeare a little more. And here I thought, I was like, look at me reading two <laughs> books and listening to one. And meanwhile, I I read a lot. I read fast. Um, I also have a lot of time at work to read sometimes. Oh, that's good. So Downtime between, between the scenes, scenes and stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. And now more importantly, what are you drinking? Well, since it's cold this morning, um, I have vanilla espresso um, in my coffee mug. And it's not, I guess that's not that exciting, but I'm drinking vanilla espresso. Homemade? Homemade. Yeah, we Very have a, nice. yeah, well, we have an espresso machine, so it's mm -hmm. little pods. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'm also drinking coffee. I guess when we originally decided to do this segment, mm -hmm. uh, we were like, oh, we'll be recording at night. And then our first episode is in the day. So we're not, I mean, no we, cocktails could, yet. we, we could. could spike our coffee with rum or whatever we have around, but I don't think anyone of us has done that. I also have water with my 
liquid IV in it, which, you know, I think should sponsor us because liquid IV is really good. Oh, I listened to another podcast that they sponsor, which is how I got, you know, roped into trying it. Gotcha. (laughs) Gotcha. And I'm going to bring us into the winter. I kind of um, did my own. I, I typically don't put anything in my coffee. But for today, I wanted to make it fancy. It's usually black, no Mm. sugar, because I'm Mm. very boring. Um, Today, I have vegan whipped cream with a cinnamon stick. And I'm so fancy. And I sprinkled a little bit of uh, no sugar cocoa powder. Is Mm. it like technically cacao, right? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, I think so. Um, Just on top. And I do notice that the... um, caffeine from the cacao gives me a little extra boost. So whenever I put that in there, if I'm extra chatty today, it's because I'm a little wired from the extra caffeine. Do you make your own whipped cream? I can make my own whipped cream, but I have never made vegan whipped Mm, cream. Okay. Um, I, it's actually never even occurred to me. No, we had some leftover from, we had like some pumpkin pie and Steven will always buy me vegan stuff. Uh, I am not vegan, but I do try to eat plant-based foods. Um, and I don't like the taste of regular whipped cream anyway. Uh, so that's, that's what I'm drinking today. It's keeping me warm. It's cold, not as cold as Minnesota, but it's cold (laughs) in the Northeast. No, I, um, I drink insane amounts of coffee, probably unhealthy amounts of coffee, but that's okay. Today we're sticking with our, I would say our roots. We're going to start this podcast with fanfic and a wonderful, sweet, delightful fanfic writer who I know for a fact puts so much time and Mm -hmm. effort into her craft. She's dedicated. She is dedicated. Quick disclaimer. While editing this podcast, I discovered that my computer used the wrong microphone when we recorded. So you may notice that I sound a little different than I normally do. It was just the case of a bad webcam mic instead of my normal microphone. Hope you enjoy our interview with Sari Ferry. Do you want to tell us a little bit about, you spoke about it, I think, when we we talked to Jess Penumbra. Yeah. Your introduction into the fandom, but how you yes. were a late bloomer when it came to fanfic. Do you <laughs> want to tell us all about that again? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. So I um, watched the Exiles files from the very beginning. I think I was... 18 when it started because in Australia it started in 1994 I think maybe May and so I was 18 and I just loved the show really loved it but I didn't have anyone else that I knew that liked the show so I didn't kind of indulge in it in that way which I kind of wish I did now but so I didn't I did I had their DVDs and things but I didn't have posters and I didn't have paraphernalia and I didn't go down that route to have was it readily available in Australia at the time to have like you know the t-shirts and the posters was was that easy to get because I found that even in the U.S. it wasn't I think I don't know I found it what you could do probably at Christmas time they would put out the latest season on DVD so you could buy that and they had a few of those unofficial behind the scenes X-Files companions I love those. And I think that's that's the extent of it. I think I had a couple of those. Um, and so maybe I was a bit of a closeted X-Files fan, I suppose. Relatable, <laughs> I really loved yeah. It. Yeah. So, and then 
I watched religiously and I used to videotape them so I could watch them a few more times till you got to watch it the week the next week Um, and I do think that there's something about those original fans who watched from the very start who had to spend months on a cliffhanger from season to season I feel like there is a little bit of a difference to how this is maybe getting off track but how we kind of wish wish the show had gone versus maybe people who got to see it even if they came in in season seven or eight they just seem a little I just feel like there's a little bit of a and even the the ones who came in really late and could watch all 11 seasons is that how many there are 11 seasons all at once I think that they're very much more maybe accepting of the direction that the showrunner decided to take it in whereas I think the people who watched it from the very start get a little bit more um, upset at how certain storylines went. That's just my um, observation that I've made. I don't know if you agree with that. No, I I think you're right. I had a talk with someone who came in, watched the original nine seasons sometime between nine and ten, and they were like, I don't know why you all think Diana Fowley was such a big deal. Like, she was only in a couple episodes and then she was gone. I'm like, but you don't understand oh, like really? the time frame we had to wait. Oh like gosh, even, so true. you know, from the end of season five into six and not like her not being in the movie. And when you're just binging it, you get a totally different perspective because it, you know, you can watch her whole arc in a week, That's you know, so where we true. had years yeah, and months. Must, I think yeah. it was a good year and a half yeah. of her like being there. It was mm-hmm. kind of, in the background of the show. Yes. But it wasn't. Yeah. And there was a general tension between Mulder and Skelly at the time Mm -hmm. and maybe not explicitly stated, but you kind of felt that that had to do with Diana, even though she's in a handful of episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's right. Cause I also think when we watched, you watch the end and then the order of watching them is the you watch the end and then you watch the film, but the film was filmed before season five is my recollection. And then when they came back with the first episode of season six and Diana was in that and there was all this tension, but they'd been so close in the film and it was like, oh, this is what this is. And so season six just had this, is she going to be in this one? And what, how's Scully feeling about this, the fact that Mulder lied to her and, but they're still close. So, yeah, there was that's so true. If you got to kind of watch that all in a minute, like the way we binge shows now, you can watch a whole season in two days if you really wanted to stay in bed in your jammies and do that. But I do think that, yeah, so having this kind of, it feels like we've been, um, I guess, I don't know what the what the analogy is, but, you know, we've kind of been through the, the whole battle really of watching it from the very start and having to wait and having this expectation and this wish that the show will go in a different direction. And it's just, I don't know. I think a really good example, a current, more current example of that is Game of Thrones. People lost their shit when it didn't go in the direction that they wanted. So I don't, I, I don't think you're too far off where like yeah. you see it and you accept it. You you see it all in one mm-hmm you know, shortened period of time and you accept it. You're yeah. like, oh, this is just how it is. But then you have yeah. years of expectations. You know, yep. if you were watching from the beginning, you had nine years of expectations by yeah. the time the show ended. And you're like, that's it. And and I would agree that's- with you on that. 
because I binged Game of Thrones before the last season. And yeah, Trevor and I binged Game of Thrones and it actually lined up perfectly with the final season starting. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't like the direction Game of Thrones went, but I couldn't imagine, like they waited, what, almost two years for that last season? Oh, yeah. It was like a year and a half, two years. And and I would have been very angry as well. Was it that? (laughs) Two and a half years. Because I watched the I watched it as we went. My husband and I watched it. Um, and I enjoyed it the more it went along. I didn't, wasn't a huge fan of the first couple of seasons for whatever reason, but then I really enjoyed it. And then when the next, each season came out, we would sit and oh. watch seasons one to three wow. and then watch season four as it came. And then when season five came out, we watched one to four and then season. So we kind of did it that way. So we were like, you know, really like could not wait yeah. and just hated it. And I don't think I'll just ever, ever watch it again. I just can't see myself enjoying any of it anymore. Would you write fanfic to correct it? Or you're not that into um, that one, into that fandom, I should say. I don't know. I haven't actually even thought of that. Um, maybe I should. I don't know. <laughs> there you I, had, go. I had never actually really considered that. Isn't that funny? So yeah, then why could- did you consider writing for X-Files fandom, for fanfic, you know? How, how did you oh, I, start on that journey? I think because I'd watched the X-Files over and over again for 20 years because I had all of the DVDs and used to just have it on in the background if I cleaned the house or all of those things. So I kind of, and I just have a thing for Mulder and Scully. They just, I just enjoy that pairing so much. Um, that I think it was this, I just had, once I started reading fanfic, I had all of these ideas about, oh, what could I get Mulder and Scully to do? And so that's why I guess I wrote um, for them. And I suppose I didn't have that connection because mm. um, this is, it's a duo. The X-Files is a duo and Game of Thrones is, is you know, such a, um, what's the word? There's a word. Ensemble. I don't it's had such an ensemble, a huge ensemble. I mean, mm-hmm. I really liked um, Jamie and um, Brienne. Like, I liked that couple. So, but, you know, they weren't only the focus. So, yeah, I guess it's because I'd been watching The X-Files for so long. And I really just didn't like where they were left. I didn't like where they were left um, after I Want to Believe. And I enjoyed some of the season's uh, some of the shows in seasons 10 and 11, although I think I've only ever watched, I've only ever watched all of them once and a couple of them a couple of times. So I don't really go and revisit um, season 10 or 11. And so I guess there was a bit of correcting to do. I thought, well, where could I leave them? What could I do with them? So there was much more of a um, drive to do that, I suppose, after I sort of started reading. Yeah. When did you start reading? Um, which I can go into that story. The first fanfic I read was two years ago in 2019, probably in the middle of the year or around May or something like that. Um, It was actually, it's kind of a personal story, but my husband was talking, we're we're having a conversation about porn. And I always had, like in terms of watching porn, I could never quite, enjoy it because I couldn't easily separate 
who was in the show to what might have happened to, say, the, the actor or the mm-hmm. actress that was in the show, like maybe something happened traumatic in their childhood which pushed them into porn. And I couldn't separate that to really kind of go, I'm like, does this woman really want to be here? Is this really something she's choosing to do? And I'm sure some people absolutely want to do that, but I'd sort of, you know, seen documentaries and read statistics that sort of looked to a lot of people that got into porn had traumatic experiences prior to that. So anyway, that was my kind of sticking point. Like I'm not really into porn in that way. And he's like, have you ever read anything? Like have you ever read erotic fiction? And I said, look, I read the first Fifty Shades of Grey book, but I didn't, again, didn't really like the characters, so I never kind of read any more. I actually couldn't connect with the characters. Um, and he said, well, you should try that. And then coincidentally I was looking on Instagram and I saw the clip of Gillian and David at that um, whatever it was, Comic-Con or something, where they were talking about the fact that she said we had sex in a Chili's. And then she spoke about this Chili's thick <laughs> and the audience kind of had a reaction. So I sort of searched, didn't take long, much of a Google search, <laughs> and I searched that and then I read this Chili's thick and I was like, and then I was a convert. I just started looking for like, in inverted commas, X-Files porn to read. I'm like, and the reason, and I had known about fanfic, I didn't live under a rock, but I'd never read it. I never sought it out. And the only reason I hadn't was because I just didn't think that I could suspend my disbelief to really and truly think it was Mulder and Scully I was reading about. I didn't have a problem with people writing fanfic or any of those things. I just, I just couldn't imagine that I could believe that someone else could write them and I would believe that it was them, but I actually <laughs> that Scully gave Mulder a blowjob under a table in Chili's at the airport. So I kind of went, okay, that's interesting. And so then I started looking for that specific type, type of fanfic, that just kind of erotic fiction. And so I started reading that for a few months and then I just wrote one and I wrote very kind of tropey, one-bed, um, ranking fic as my first, um, you know, foray into writing. And it got it got some really lovely feedback and the two, two of the people's um, stories that I had read pretty much all of, which was Nicole, um, um, Gay Crouton and um, Corey, Stories by Corey, both commented on this first story that I wrote and was so encouraging. So it was just really, you know, a lovely kind of introduction into writing. Had you had any previous writing experience before that, um, whether like in school, um, a creative writing class, anything like that, or did uh, you so just I, right off the bat? I used to, in, as part of my before I um, I stopped working for a while to have kids, and I used to do like um, copy. I'd write copy, which is not create. It's not creative writing. It's really not. And so I would do that as part of jobs. So I could do that sort of persuasive writing for um, that sort of thing for a bit of marketing and copy. Um, And when I went to university, I did one writing class. This is back when I did, um, I went to university as a mature age student. I went in 2010 and I did a, um, just a little writing course. Like it was a screen, I think it was, might have been screenwriting but that was that was kind of it and so I didn't know if I could 
right or not. I had no idea. I just kind of knew what I wanted them to do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so not really. I hadn't written anything else really. And I, I wasn't kind of into writing at school or any of those sorts of things. I'd never sort of thought about it. And I don't write a diary. I don't journal. I don't do any of that sort of thing. So, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, probably the first story I'd written really. I've noticed in a lot of your fics, and I think we talked about this on the feminism chat, they're very female positive, very sex positive. Was that something you intentionally set out to do in your fix or did it just? I think probably set out to do it more now um, because I'm aware of it. But that first one, no, not not at all. I I think it wasn't a conscious choice to make it sex positive. I think it was, uh, I guess I, I wanted, I guess I wanted, I think it was from, own, oh, no, actually I think I jumped heads. So maybe it was from both of their perspectives. I wanted them to enjoy it. And I think you can't actually enjoy sex unless you have consent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's where the consent part came in for both of them. Um, so I think that's probably, it was just a natural it just naturally happened that way, I suppose. And now I think when I write um, other things that might be a little bit more pushing the envelope or a little bit kind of more um, adventurous sexually, I might do like a, a warning or sort of set it up to say that they're already in a relationship and just kind of a little bit more aware of how people might react to the story. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm more aware of it now, but only because it probably because it's been pointed out. But no. I definitely wasn't really, I was just like, let them have fun and have sex for the first time. Cause it, that's, that's a lot of what I write is <laughs> writing something just to get them that sort of first time. I kind of have a fascination with that, I suppose. And that's kind of, not that I don't, I don't mind reading established relationship stuff at all, or even case, case files or any of that stuff. But I think that resonates with me and probably because watching it from the original run and having really no idea how they really thought about each other. Um, It seems bleedingly obvious now when you kind of look at all of the way they looked at each other and touched each other and Mm -hmm. all of those things about their relationship, it seems really obvious, but it was not obvious watching it that they would, that they liked each other, loved each other, would end up up together. So I think there's still that fascination with in those original run seasons, getting them to kind of admit their feelings or get together. So I think I'm I'm stuck there a little bit. Well, it's a really enticing story to tell. And there are so many ways to imagine it mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to be just one, like um, parked cars has it slowly happening through their stakeouts. And um, yeah. what is it? One blue line, thin blue line. One blue line. One, one yeah. blue line that has a different take on it. And like, how is it not fun to explore the different mm. ways? Even if you even if you don't believe in the season of secret sex, I don't even care about that. <laughs> Just like the different ways that you can explore that. And yeah. like each one is so sexy and um, unique and, you know, and it's unique because of the situation, but also the writer's perspective. So yeah, and it doesn't have to be one thing. It can be, it can be anything. Yeah. And I think I like exploring that. I think there are some, 
some people who really have their very firm ideas about canon and their head canons and what did and didn't happen. And I think I like the fact that I just don't. I really don't. I can write yeah. that mm-hmm. they didn't have sex until all things and or that they had it way back in season one. I kind of like just really not having any firm idea about any of it. It could mm-hmm. go anyway. And I like exploring that sort of stuff. That there's a number of different times it could have happened or how it could have happened or well I think the fact that you keep an open mind about it um lends itself to so many of these adventures that we get to then you know read about. Um so let me thank you for not having a firm <laughs> idea. <laughs> you're welcome we enjoy it (laughs) well thank you thank you for reading I was just wondering why um ranking as the first story what what about that particular episode like sparked you know your creativity for Mulder and Scully I think probably because there was it was canon right up until the point that they kind of you know, left the rainy hall of the, you know, high school reunion, we knew that they were going to have to go back into the same hotel room. So that the X-Files had done that for me. I didn't have to set any of that up. So I think that's probably why it's so much fun to write fan fiction is I don't have to build the world. I don't have to create the characters. Mm. I don't have to do a lot of setting up. And there's a lot of stuff that you can just, reference that you know the reader knows you don't actually have to explain I can say leggy brunette and you all know it's Diana you all know Mm -hmm. she's the kind of angst that's in the mix of that story I don't have to say anything else and I do want to stretch myself at some point and write original characters and create my own world and do that sort of thing but to have this playground of not having to do that is really kind of freeing to just practice and play and so I'm I'm assuming it's a while ago so I don't really remember but I'm assuming I think that that's what it was this is a setup for a one bed trope um I'm not sure whether apart from obviously when they um the season is it which was the one where they slept together in season 11 11 uh plus plus one plus one plus one so apart from that was was there another one where they had to share a bed that we know they had to share a bed. Oh no, 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 no. Sorry, we don't don't know they had to share a bed. They they shared a hotel room. We kind of yeah. know that in ranking. Because yeah. in in ranking, the one that I wrote, the free Molo, I had I did have him on a fold out bed, but mm-hmm. it broke. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's any other. And I mean, in Bad Blood, she he's laying in her bed, but he has his own room. Yeah. That's yeah. the only one that came to my mind. Yeah, he like but he's apparently got yeah. got another room because yes. she's like that's my my bed. So that, I guess that's why it was it was just sort of sitting there for me. <laughs> you like the setup, and it yeah, was, it was already done. Um, I have a question. Do you are you open in your personal life that you write fan fiction, or does it not come up? Oh, that's a good one. It doesn't really come up. I my husband knows that I write fan fiction, mm-hmm. and nobody else. No, I think. I mean, I've told a couple of friends that I've been writing a lot and just mm-hmm. writing stuff for myself. 
but no, nobody was knows. <laughs> are you embarrassed by it or are you just, it's a long conversation that maybe you don't feel like? Um, I don't know if I am. I think it's probably because I write porn. Okay. I guess I'm just like. Totally. I don't, I, I'm kind of in two minds because there's nothing shameful about it. Like I'm not ashamed of it, but I guess it feels personal. Like it's when you sort of write something like that, you kind of feel like, do these people think this is what I like sexually or this is what I do in bed or like it, it just, mm-hmm. it, I don't know, it feels a little exposing, I suppose, because of the subject matter. Um, yeah. Okay. I have a couple different questions. So mm-hmm. I do want to talk a little bit about your writing style, your method, what you, what you do, but um, I'm just wondering also about, you took a writing class recently. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm wondering, does your writing style differ in fanfic than when you write for your class? Because you do have to set up your own world and there, there maybe mm. there's a lot more outlining or a lot more world building, I guess. Um, or is it kind of just generally the same? That's a really good question. And I did struggle with that to write original characters. And we only really had to um, complete one full story and it wasn't even very long. Otherwise, otherwise it was like little exercises. And so they were a lot easier to do and they were like a bit of sort of free association and, you know, writing about an object and those sort of things. But in the last assignment that I had to hand in, I did struggle a little bit with it of finding, you know, um, who the character was and what the motivations were in terms of how I write it's probably similar I suppose um the sentence structure the kind of you know the way that I describe feelings and things is probably similar um but yeah I did have to you have to fill in the world a lot more obviously mm-hmm. And so I found that that was, yeah, that was a challenge. Um, but, I, you know, I went well in the class. I got a high distinction. I got my marks back the other day. So that oh, was congratulations. encouraging. Yeah. That's great. Are you going to continue yeah. with classes? Writing I classes? Will. Yeah, I think so. It was sort of as part of a, a, another uni course I'm, I'm going to do. But I'm not sure if I will. I, I think probably I need to just do it in a way, um, sort of stretch myself a little bit more with fan fiction in so far as writing a case file which I haven't really done I've done some you know pretend ones they haven't been proper case files and potentially writing well I wrote one for um there's a couple where they're just very short so there was Mm -hmm. one that I wrote for um God, I don't remember the name of this story and look I don't really I put a spell on you, basically. It was for mm-hmm. Halloween. I okay. It was Halloween. And it was kind of like they had to go undercover in this house and someone was there being, people were being drugged so that they could have their identities stolen. And it, But it was not a very, that was not the main part of the story. The main part of okay. the story was Mulder and Scully having sex for the first time. So in that way, it's not really, you know, in the way that, people in this fandom can write case files it was not a case file it was just a back part of a backstory of what what the focus was you know Mulder and Scully Mm -hmm. basically getting together 
And I think in the same way, there's probably one or two other ones where it's a little bit like that, but I can't even remember. The Haunting of Dana Catherine Scully, I would argue, it's not a case file, but it has more of, you have stories. I'm not, I'm trying to find the proper wording, but you know, it's not just Mm. like Mulder and setting a setup for Mulder and Scully sleep together. There is another story there. Yeah. And, and they think, do in the um, end find each other. Yeah, but there's no sex in that. That was not a no you know that's not a that's not an explicit one. And I think also Skamania County as well was mm-hmm. a little bit of a you know there was a little bit of a mystery about it being put in that one. Mm-hmm. But I would love to kind of really just you know get in there and write a, a good juicy case file as if it could be an episode sure, and then potentially write an um, an alternate that universe one as well where I have to create original characters and create a world and then maybe you know have a go at writing something completely original I don't really know what that is it kind of scares me a little bit that I'd have to do that all by myself without you know I think um funnily enough a lot of the my own stories that the ones that I like the most are probably the ones I struggled with the most and probably are the ones that I got given um, in the um, the exchange exchange pick, um, you know, prompts because I wouldn't have normally written them, so I had to really stretch myself. And yeah, so they're the ones I probably like the most. So just kind of me on my own with my own sort of imagination worries me a little bit about what I might be able to come up with. So I want to go there at some point, but it's really fun practicing in the X Files world. I'm always curious about people in research. And so like, what do you do for research? Mm. Do you read articles mainly or? Um, So I have done a bit of research in, in different things. If we're talking about research specifically for sex, I did have to research um, tethered, which was about Mm -hmm. rope bondage um, to try and, understand the psychology of it and why someone would want that just because that's not something that I personally for me works in a sexual way and I appreciate that it really does for a lot of people so I just wanted to know why so I did quite a bit of research on that um and was that, that one for a an exchange or that it was, was a, it was okay so that was an exchange that was a prompt which I put a lot of work into and I'm really proud of that one because I wrote something that I wasn't used to and I also said it on the run which I have a little bit of a love not even love hate just I really didn't want to think about them in mm-hmm. that sort of no man's land or, you know, what had happened and all of that stuff. And we know, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff with William's not there and how devastating that must have been still, all of that stuff. So I, I kind of felt like bondage is something that from what I read takes a huge amount of trust trust for it to be safe and um, that's what it, it's really about, safety and not, really punishment it's actually kind of the opposite and so if I was going to use canon correctly up until the point where I had them on the run 
um, they really hadn't had mm-hmm. much sex. They were not sexually, you know, as, as far as I'm aware, if they really did only start having sex a few times and William was a product of that and then Mulder was gone and then Scully was pregnant, she just hadn't had a baby. So they couldn't have had sex before he left yeah. again because she yeah. literally had a baby. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, they don't know each other to do bondage within that sort of mm-hmm. you know original run so that I just thought this is a place where I think it could fit so I kind of forced myself to write in that realm which I, I didn't really like to think about but then I really kind of found writing that I kind of went, okay well maybe this is what on the run was for them and it felt very cathartic and I felt really you know I kind of liked where I left them in that space of you know just the two of them so, yeah, that research kind of, I, I definitely had to research that, which led to quite a few interesting um, ads and things that would come up on <laughs> feeds. After you start researching bondage, you get all yeah. sorts of ads for oh, all that's so sorts funny. of things. It lasted a while, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it seems so appropriate when mm-hmm. you say trust. It seems so appropriate for them because trust has always been such a big issue, not issue, um, theme for Mulder and Scully. Mm. Um, Mm. but from what I'm hearing, it sounds like you seem most pleased with the ones that you really have to work for the ones that take you out of your comfort zone. And because of that, I know you haven't done professional writing, but I really think that once you do start, you know, attempting a novel or a short story or whatever Mm. it is that you do, I think taking yourself out of that comfort zone, you're going to be really pleased with what you find you can do oh, I'm that's so lovely thank you I'm I mean just knowing your writing and mm-hmm. the care that you take to craft each story and um even when you're doing beta work for someone you mm-hmm. you put a lot of time and effort into it and um I know that's not the same as um pushing yourself and you know mm-hmm. doing research and, and going out of your comfort zone but I just just knowing you I think you're going to be if you do decide to go down that path, yeah. you're going to be well really pleased. And so will we. Such a lovely thing to say. Of course. Yeah. Of course. You have to just, you know, give it a go. <laughs> That's true. You know, yeah. not to make this about me, but I was terrified. I participated in the AU uh, mm-hmm. exchange as yeah. a backup for someone I was like, I don't know what to do. I have no idea. And I was so surprised at how, I wouldn't say that it started to flow. I really struggled and it was difficult, but in the end, like I Mm. wrote something and something that I would never have thought of before. So it's, it's interesting. And I think it's that, it's that struggle, but it's also that kind of going, okay, this is a struggle, but I know that I'll get to the end. So it's that, Right. It's not to say that it's not hard, but I mean, as you would have found as you went along, that you're going, okay, well, this is hard, but I can do it because I yeah. just read all of those words. So that will come. <laughs> so, yeah, well done for that. That must have been, that was a, um, yeah, baptism of fire for you yeah. jumping. Both you of you actually in. did that. You jumped yeah. in for that one. I just was like, <laughs> I can't. I don't want to do it. <laughs> don't have time. I both regretted it and found it rewarding. It, it made me actually think because I look at the case file ones and they're so scary on the surface because I don't like, where do you start and how do you find that ending? So I struggle mm-hmm. with wrapping it up 
and not letting it just keep going and going and going. Yeah. So yeah. Although in your defense, I do. I do. I love. Like. I do. I love. <laughs> it just keeps going. I'm, reading, and going. I'm reading a book now. I've been reading for over ten years. She drops a chapter a month. Still. Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. No. She's still, still dropping chapters. Great. I love that. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I do. Holy that's cow. really cool, though. That's like that sort of, um, like Dickens mm-hmm. used to write serials in the paper, that kind of thing. I think that's that's really cool. So, what are what do you like to read besides fanfic? Actually, that's a that's a really good segue. Um, at the moment, the only really other reading I do is books <laughs> for my nine year old. Oh, my six-year-old. What are they reading now? Okay, so there's this really amazing series by someone called Jessica Townsend, and she's an Aussie. She lives in Queensland, called Nevermore. Um, They're amazing. They're going to be made into movies, and there's three so far. I think there'll be six altogether. We're waiting for number four, which will um, drop in September next year, and they're set in this, um, like, fantasy sort of realm, and there's this this um girl who lost her mother it's sort of a little bit kind of that typical the girl lost her mother her stepmother doesn't like her and she's kind of um a bit of a chosen one it's sort of I guess in that way it's a little bit like Harry Potter but it's just it's written really well and um my my nine-year-old daughter and I are absolutely hooked I'm so googling it now yeah yeah looking it up um so we've read that and we just we're reading one at the moment about talking pets um we read there's this really cute series called friday barnes um friday barnes girl detective so they're the books they're the books that i read although i am determined to i did i had saw all of the hype about um that name Evelyn Hugo's Uh husbands or something so do you know what I bought it and I downloaded it to my Kindle and I think I've read a couple of chapters so that's going to be something that I read myself I don't really know anything about it except that lots of people like it on the um fandom so maybe while you're visiting your mom you can do that yeah yeah I'll read that and I want to sort of I've got a couple of things I have to finish off writing I've got two um, works in progress that are killing me and then I just want to start something fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, for both of you, I don't know if either of you remember, but they used to take the X-Files episodes and do children's books. So they were more geared towards the (gasps) preteen age. The really thin books. books. If I was recording upstairs, I could show you my collection. You'll have to. Oh my so gosh! Maybe your kids will read okay. them one day. Okay, that's great. I did not know that. I don't know if your kids are like mine, but if if I like anything, oh, that's so lame, mom. Oh, I hate it. <laughs> oh, it's so boring. So I don't know. I mean, well, not like Ninja Turtles. They like Ninja Turtles or Ghostbusters. That's been a fun thing. But I think I don't know. I was watching. I was watching X Files by the time I was nine, which is maybe. Anyway, that's, that's not, that's a discussion for another time. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Well, um, you know, I don't think I could get my nine-year-old to watch 
X-Files with me. Yeah, right. At the moment, I'm... It's not cool. I wouldn't say that I'm cool, but I'm not uncool. Okay. Yet. 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 <laughs> Just a couple I, more I years. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Yeah. Um, because I'm not a cool person. So I'm not like, you know, she'll figure it out. <laughs> Agree to disagree and she'll realize how cool you are when she's in her 20s. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> she will. No, she will. She'll be like, I'm so sorry, mom. <laughs> Everything that you did for me. Yes. Now I understand. Yes. <laughs> I have a question about cultural differences. Mm. Do you think with sexuality and writing, like the writing you do, do you think it's less of a taboo topic in Australia than it would be for us here in America? Um, I think so. I, I feel really like know. Australia's not- more open than we are. I feel like we're... We're definitely not as religious. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, definitely yeah. not as religious. I think, I don't know what the census said this time around, but I think, you know, maybe 30% are Christians. It's like we're just, we're not a hugely religious country in that regard. I think a lot of people do have some sort of religion, but um, I'm not religious. I'm, I mean, my husband's heritage is Jewish, but he doesn't mm-hmm. practice religion at all either. So there's that part of it we don't seem to have so much of, mm-hmm. um, which probably makes it a little bit more open. I also live in Sydney, you know, the home of um the game has been Mardi Gras that's been going for like 35 years and you know you get your regional areas and that can be much less open but somewhere like Sydney any of the sort of capital Mm. cities it's you know my um my nephew who's in year six just came out and he you know I mean we kind of knew but he Mm -hmm. told us that he he said I don't think I could he said something like um I don't think I could handle going out with a woman no. just don't think I could handle it so anyway so he's very yeah. like he's in year six and he's very um you know fight, like open about his sexuality at 12 um however you know there's still you get still get pockets of people who mm-hmm. um are bigoted and don't kind of just let people be who they want to be um but um I don't know if I can speak for all of Australia because we definitely yeah. have our share of bigots and assholes and all of that sort of thing I know in my house my girls um know about um you know that they can marry whoever they want they don't have to get married and actually I felt really um I felt a proud mum moment the other day actually because I think probably because of you know heteronormative things that is just kind of thrown at them Mm-hmm. My girls, and I used to do this when I was little, it's like, I want to marry my dad when I grow up. I think that's quite typical. And so for the first time, my my six-year-old, I was putting in bed, she goes, Mom, I'm going to marry you when I grow up. I thought, yes. No, you can't, <laughs> but yeah, you can marry a girl. Of course you can. So, Both of my kids um, have told me that. Yeah, I love me. that. Yeah, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> Proud mommy moment. Um, I love you too, baby. You can't marry me, but I love you too. <laughs> no, that's right. I'm already married. <laughs> exactly. Also other reasons, but. <laughs> yeah, we'll just say that. I'm already yeah. married. <laughs> yeah. So look, I, I don't know. I think that, yeah, where I live in Sydney, it's all very um, just normal as it should be, mm-hmm. you know, but not all parts of Australia for sure. 
and not all politicians, you know. Yeah. You know, asshole politicians as well. So <laughs> they have those everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You are obviously drawn to the smutty aspect of Mulder and Scully. <laughs> Do you also seek that out in your books? Is it more like romance, sexy books, or is it all sorts of genres, just whatever's a good book? Whatever's a good book, really. Like I said, I hadn't really read any erotic fiction, really. Um, And I I did. Or even like romance? I think I probably like um, more character or... um, checking apart people's motivation that kind of thing I mean I I was kind of I don't mind crime fiction as well but I think I'm probably yeah I don't know that I'm led by erotic or romance I wouldn't say that I am I think I'm just I really have a romantic spot for Morgan Scully that's kind of that's kind of it um and I did deprived us of so long I think we all just want to imagine it in a million different ways I know and they and had I such strong chemistry too, which I think played it's a big part. Yeah, and I think that you know, there's such a fascination there with the actors who play them as well about you know what might have happened in their private lives. Not that it's any of our business, but we also all kind of like to speculate and think. Speculating we yeah, weave in and out of the show, and they had such chemistry when they weren't playing Morgan Scully, and I just think it's it's quite it's quite um, a unique. Thing. I think I have seen other shows where, you know, actors definitely have chemistry, but theirs just really was beyond. And well, I think it's just that, yeah, being robbed of that, like it's just not not robbed, just not seeing it on screen. It was like, oh. Well, they were so adamant about not showing it. Yeah. I'm sorry, Kristen, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying they still have the chemistry and like, you mm. know, they clearly don't help the case when, you know. They do their yeah. photo shoots or, you know, they make comments on Twitter, yeah. whether it's them or their publicists. Yeah. When they're dancing yeah. together and kissing and you're just yeah. like, you know, really, guys, yeah. you're trying yeah. to dispel yeah. the rumors by doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh, they know what they're doing. They know oh, yeah. what they're doing. No, they're, they they're do. brilliant but, with what they're doing. <laughs> but I think um, part of as well, when, when I watched The X-Files, I watched it, it for Mulder and Scully and their mm-hmm. connection and anyone who knows me um, knows that I'm not very good with canon. I don't really, I don't even know if aliens exist, guys. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, you don't have the answer? I don't know. That's did we why you're ever, on the podcast. Find out? <laughs> I don't know. I thought you had we ever the answer. Actually, I don't know if we ever actually found out. So if it, anything comes to canon, I have to ask someone or just budget. I did write one, actually, one of my, the Mulder Scully and Diana fucking... Sally mm-hmm. I just didn't I there was one point it was like how many times has she died or been kidnapped or I just said I who fucking knows I just wrote that in there it's like I no one I don't know don't know how many times this has happened to her because I just I, that's not what I paid attention to I really did pay attention to them rather than the the other aspect of the exercise so that's what I was in so you really are character driven mm. Would you say yeah. it's the same for like movies that you watch? Are you more interested in the characters, that, not necessarily than the plot, but a hundred percent? I there's a lot of there's some shows that I haven't even gotten into because if I don't like a character, and they can be the antihero, they can there has to be something about them that I like. So I I think I watched one or two episodes of Mad Men, and I'm like I don't like any of them. I just don't like them, and they're just 
yeah, so I need to connect with someone and it can be, you know, as I said, it can be an anti-hero, but I really have to believe a character, like something about them, yeah, to be interested in anything. Okay. Yeah. Do you like Mrs. Maisel, just out of curiosity? I, I think it's pretty good with the characters and everyone has yeah. the cutest outfit you've ever seen in your life. I adore that show. Okay. I really do. And I love her. I love the main character. Same. Because I know I really like it when they're flawed. I think that that makes them even more sure. charming. And because Mulder and Scully are absolutely both flawed human beings, as we all are. Um, and, yeah, I kind of like putting that in, you know, fiction as well to kind of think, well, they can hurt each other and they can be assholes. And they both mm-hmm. can. I don't think that, you know, one is, you know, more flawed than the other I think they both have their backstories which are both you know difficult and tragic and they've both been through awful things so there's so much kind of um to draw from when you write anything for both of them I do find Mulder harder to write Mm -hmm. and to get into his when I write from his perspective I think that's probably why I'm struggling with this whip I just decided to do it just from Mulder's perspective and I'm I find him a little harder to get inside his head. I think some people, you know, write Mulder really, really well. I don't know that I write Mulder as well as I write Scully maybe. I feel like I know, understand Scully, you know, down to her bones. <laughs> and that makes sense. I think mm-hmm. we're coming at it from the woman's perspective. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little bit easier because of that. Um, that's not to say that women can't write men, that women can't write Mulder. I don't want to get called out no, on that. And there's the people that, that no, maybe yeah, the people that I think write Mulder very well happen to be women as well. I think some people mm-hmm. can just really resonate with one or the other. And or some people write them both, you know, really well. And I, you know, I give Mulder a go, but I think that yes, yeah, some people can just really mm-hmm. tap into it. And I also think probably because he's innately the character is really funny and really witty. And I don't think I naturally am. So I don't feel like his one line is I think I, I don't come up with him in the way. Like some people can write his dialogue so well. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Mulder would so totally say that. So I think that's what I struggle with, with him. That's kind of, you know, witty, wittiness that he has. Yeah, I'm not good with that. Um, mm-hmm. Any Mulder one-liners I've ever written have actually come from Trevor. <laughs> yeah, oh. there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. You guys could be a writing duo. Um, no, and I was curious because you watch Sex Education, right? Yes. Did you, I'm just curious since you are more character-driven, struggle with the latest season? Because I felt like they were so different from how they normally are character-wise. And for me, it was a big turnoff with the show and like I almost quit watching. I nearly didn't, Yeah. I have to agree with you completely. I, I I nearly didn't even watch season three because season two mm-hmm. felt out of character. Um, really absolutely adored the first season. Um, and, yeah, I do. I feel like it was just mm-hmm. completely out of character. It was that, um, it, it was that just shoving them into a space. Oh, I want to tell mm-hmm this piece of information about this thing, whether it's whatever it is to do with sex or sexuality. So I'm just going to force it in here. And I think that you just, you can't do that with characters. And I think that that did 
Mm -hmm. The X-Files fell into that trap a few times with um, why I didn't like some of the storylines. I felt like the motivations for the characters that I knew were off. Um, And so that's when I would struggle with the X-Files sometimes. And, but it was just rife across. Yeah. I think every single character in yeah, the latest season of Sex Ed, I just didn't. And I don't think I'll keep watching it, to be honest. It just didn't. And I like, I like, you know, not even, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd even watch it for Julie and I just, I kind of have to get into it and I just didn't, it just felt very rushed. It felt like, it just felt like a sequel that was cashing in. You know how some movies, the first movie is great and the second movie is just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen with all sequels at all, but when they don't put enough money Mm -hmm. and attention into the writing, um, which happens a lot these days with a lot of films, I think that they're probably using like, you know, quite a few drafts short of what the final draft should be with films these days that have put enough attention into, um, you know, character and story arc. They just think of the bigger picture. And, um, yeah, no, I agree with you, Kristen, just didn't didn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah. And I nearly stopped watching too, but I just kept going. But, yeah, I don't, I'm pretty sure that I'll, I'll give up on that one now yeah. personally. I have a question Going back to your writing class, did you feel that it helped you at all with um, writing fanfic? Did it influence you in any way or change the way you write? Um, I think probably a little bit, but I think probably some of that stuff I just learned along the way anyway. Um, Part of the reason that I did the writing class was because I signed up to do some courses to possibly do a psychology degree and this was going to be all done online but then in Australia we got locked down so I was homeschooling the kids and trying to do a stats course and all of these things so I deferred those units and I kept the writing one on because I have to do I had to do a couple of electives and I I kind of thought that 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 one wouldn't take too much of my time so that sounds like a not a great reason to pick a subject um but I think I probably had taught myself or, or learnt some of that stuff anyway. So they sort of focused on things like, um, you know, when you're writing um, characters and what they're doing, it's often quite good for the audience or for the reader to figure a lot of the stuff out for themselves. And so that difference between show, don't tell. And the way that I would describe that is that you could very easily say, um, for example, Mulder was angry. And that's one version of it, and that's telling the audience that he's angry. The other thing you could do would be to say, um, you know, that Mulder stood up abruptly and, um, you know, pushed the chair into the desk and um, Scully noticed that the muscles in his jaw ripple like they would or something like that, just describe the scene and then the audience the reader can then figure out what is happening with him so I think that that's something that I had picked up along the way and they did talk about it and they showed examples so um, that's something that I probably will try and put much more into my stories now because I find when I read fan fiction or anything else I do find that really interesting when you're not told the whole story and you do have to figure some things out for yourself and I think that's probably what's intriguing about watching the X-Files is that you're like 
Scully actually pissed off with him or is she in love with him and her feelings are hurt or it's quite nice to not be told. It's nice to so to have a job to do. They say the reader actually wants to work something. So I think in a, in a lot of the stuff that I've written, especially the earlier stuff, it was very much blow by blow, this is how each character felt at any moment. And so now I'm trying to, I think that's another reason I'm a little bit stuck on this with is because I started it so long ago and it's very much in Mulder's head and I'm struggling with that now because I'm trying to do a little bit more of the, just describe what's happening and then get the reader to, to figure it out. Yeah. I just have one more question. What advice would you give to aspiring writers, fanfic, professional, or not even writers, just anything that you really want to do? Um, what what would you tell them? Um, I think the thing that I definitely know from my age, I'm 46, and being in this fandom and being on social media, because I wasn't really on, I'd never been on Tumblr before, I hadn't really been on Twitter before, and that's all just my profile with writing and look I don't you know I still feel like I'm a beginner I look at other people's writing and think that they're so amazing but I also feel like some people want to read something that I have to write and that's fine I don't I don't kind of feel like I fall into the trap of having um having a it attached to how I feel about myself I think some people will just think I'm really crappy at writing some people might really love it And I don't mind. And I feel like that's just the way to go about it is if you really enjoy it, then do it. It's it's fine. And I also think if you want to post a story that you've written, you know, three weeks ago and post it again and just say, hey, I I did this, have another look, then do it. I feel like there's a few unwritten rules about you can only post something you've written once and you can't kind of spruik yourself and you can't, you know, all of these things. And I just think, I just don't need to buy into that. I don't, you know, it's okay to promote yourself. It's okay to, um, yeah, if somebody doesn't like the style of story I write, then, you know, I don't, I personally, I don't take it personally. I don't necessarily think that that it's then okay to, um, you know, be negative about everybody else because it's, it can be very difficult to put yourself out there. Um, And I have to say, I've been very lucky in that nobody's written a comment on anything I've written that has been not nice. So I'm saying this from a position of not having that happen. Um, But there's a lot of people who do get very um, down on themselves in this, this kind of, this realm about this story didn't get as many, you know, um, as much attention as I wanted and all of those things. And I don't attribute it to me or my worth or any of those things so I guess my advice is if there's something that you want to do just do it for yourself really that's great yeah that's really the best reason to do it yeah there's no right or wrong with writing there's no kind of right or wrong with canon or headcanon or all of those things I just think just do what you want to do write what you want to write even if you're just writing for yourself Mm -hmm. Because that's it. I, I kind of look at all of the things that I've, I've written and a lot of them have the same sort of theme and I'm like, I actually just, I guess I'm writing what I want to read. And when I sort of think of the things that I like to read, they're quite similar, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> Sarah, 
thank you for coming on and talking to us and just sharing your experiences. It it was really good to hear all of it. Thank you. Thank you. The Fangirls Library is hosted by Kristen and Annie and is part of the AFP network. Music and artwork by Trevor Nelson. Mastering by Moving Air Studios. You can find us on Twitter at Fangirl Library, on Patreon at Fangirls Library, on Instagram at Fangirls Library Podcast. We are an anchor podcast, the Fangirls Library. Thank you.